Let's go ahead and get started. So, good evening, good evening, good evening, uh, Mission Ebenezer. I uh, just want to welcome you guys to tonight's Bible study. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Emmanuel uh, Figueroa, and tonight I am honored. I am honored to lead our Bible study. Amen. So tonight we will be closing out uh, the book of Second Thessalonians. Amen. So please open up your Bibles to Second Thessalonians chapter three. Chapter three. Amen. <clears throat> we've been we've been um, uh, going through the, the the book of Second Thessalonians, and if you've been following along, you'll notice that Paul has spent a large uh, uh, part of this letter, right, uh, so far talking about um, the the future coming of Christ, right, in the rapture. Uh, he talks about you know the last day and the antics of the devil, right, and he's he's been uh, revealing right uh, uh, the man of lawlessness, right, so. He goes on to explain, you know, the secret, the secret power, right, of, 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 of lawlessness, right, which is always at work in the world, right? So that is that, 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 that is that all that is anti-God, right, whether it be directly or indirectly. And so as Christians, we, we live in a world, um, uh, in which the powers of evil are at work, right? But at the same time, these evil powers are also being held back, right, from complete anarchy. So, Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two verse seven it says, "For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way." Amen. So, at the moment, we we Christians we are living in two in in two realms. Okay, we're 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 living in in, in the realm of eternal life, right? Because Jesus came. To give us new life, eternal life, right? The the life of the age to come. However, that eternal life starts now, right, in this world. So we are citizens of the present world, right, with all of its imperfections and oppositions to God, right? And we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. But this, of course, right, uh, um, is the source of much much tension, right, for all of us as we seek to live by God's criteria, amen, in a world that's largely, uh, that largely ignores, uh, the word, I mean, uh, God and His word, amen. So in this final, uh, section of His letter, Paul gives us, gives us, uh, or He gives direction to the Thessalonian Christians, right? His prayer is that, is that the word of God will be honored, right? Both in the world and in the church, amen. So it's God's desire uh, and his purpose that, that his church should grow. Amen. In fact, Jesus promised that it would, right? If we go back to, to, to Matthew in chapter 16, verse, verse 18, this is Jesus saying, he says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Amen. So, so, so God wants to grow his church, right? He wants to grow his church in numbers, right? As, as the gospel spreads, to all the nations of the world, right? And he also wants his church to grow in obedience, right? In spiritual maturity, okay? So Paul's prayer request for himself and for his for his fellow workers, okay? Uh, and, and and his prayer for these Thessalonians is, is for both of these dimensions, right? The church must spread the word of God, right? It must spread the word of God to the whole world, amen? And the church also must herself obey the word amen so let's go ahead and get started and let's let's bow our heads and we're going to go ahead and pray amen so heavenly father we thank you uh for this time of bible study lord well we're so grateful for all that we have learned so far 
And we are excited for what uh, you have prepared for us tonight. So we ask that that you would open up our hearts and our minds, Lord, and that you would uh, prepare our hearts to receive your word uh, with understanding, Father, and gratitude, and that we would be obedient, Lord God, and, and that we would uh, produce the fruit, Lord God, that would bring you all the glory and all the honor. So all this we ask, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus, and let all of God's people say, Amen, Amen, Amen. So in verse 1 it says, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. So here we see Paul. Paul is starting off asking for prayer, right? And the, and, 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 and the way that he asks for prayer is, is, what, is what we call the, the present imperative tense, okay? Meaning that, that, that they are to not only to just pray for him, but to keep on praying for him, amen? I mean, how many, how many of us ask for prayer, right? Do you ever ask others to pray for you? Amen? I mean, if we look here, we see that the great Apostle Paul, right? A man, a man of strong faith and exceptional ability, and yet he has the humility, right? And he's got the wisdom to ask uh, these Thessalonians to pray for him, right? And, and his fellow workers. I mean, these guys... These Thessalonians, they were young in the faith, right? They were what you call newbies, right? Newbies in the faith. They were young, okay? And so Paul here, Paul is a veteran, right? And so so right here, I'm, I'm, when I read this, I think about, wow, what an encouragement, right? What an encouragement it must have been uh, to these young believers, right? That they could be part of Paul's ministry, amen? When you and I, right, when you and I ask for prayer, what do we ask for? I mean, think about it. Usually when we get into prayer, it, well, I mean, we always ask for things for ourselves, right? I mean, at least I know I do, okay? But here, in this lesson that we're reading here in this first verse, we're seeing that, that, that Paul's first request, okay, he asked for two things. One is for the advancement of the gospel, and two is for the acceptance of the gospel, right? So what he's saying is that literally, you know, the, the, the message, right, the, the, the logos, the word of God, right? He wants, he, he, he prays that the word of God may run its race, right? He uses the imagery of, of, um, an Olympic event. Amen. So, so, but, but we also find this type of imagery also in the Old Testament, right? In, in the book of Psalms, right? In chapter uh, 147, verse 15, it says that he sends his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. So, so Paul's concern is, is, and, and his desire is that the gospel will run like a champion, right? It'll be a champion runner, running well, running fast, right? And, 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 and wherever it goes, that it may be honored, right? That it would have like a, a glorious reception, amen? So Paul has seen the Thessalonians and others embrace this, this Christian faith, and he longs that so many more will do so. Amen. That's the heart of Paul. He wants as many as possible to receive the gospel. Amen. So his request is that these Thessalonian Christians will, will share, share his burden, right? Uh, that the good news of Jesus Christ will run in every direction and be accepted wherever it goes. Amen. Now that's what I call passion. But the question is, is that our passion? Is that your passion? Is that my passion? Right? Because it's the subject of, 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 of something that is important, right? I mean, this should be something that we should, that we should, have, that we should be passionate about. Amen? 
So ask yourself, is this our passion? Is this the, the, the subject, right, of, of, of our prayers? Do we, do we pray that the gospel would go out, that the gospel would spread like wildfire, right? Is this right here our overriding concern, right, for the gospel of Jesus Christ? I mean, let's think about this, right? What we think about, what we read about, what we pray about, what we give our time and money uh, to, right? It, it, it reflects our, our priorities and our passions, right? I mean, what we pray for, is it for like self-advancement? Is it for self-comfort? Or is it for the cause of Jesus Christ? Because I believe that this is uh, the simplest way for us, right? To be evangelistic, to reach out to the lost, right? As a church and as individuals, right? We pray for it. We pray for opportunities. We pray uh, for God to, to send people, right? That are hungry, Right through the doors here at the mission, amen. How many how many of us want to see new people at our church, right? New people at the mission, amen. Pray for pray pray to God for visitors, amen. Pray, pray for, for Bible Bible study opportunities. Pray you know for, for open and honest hearts to hear the gospel. Pray for people in our neighborhoods, amen, in our workplaces, right? To to give us a reason to share the gospel with them, amen. There's so much that we can pray for and that we must pray for. Amen. I mean, just like the way that we pray for for the physically sick. I mean, we've been praying a lot for the physically sick, especially during this pandemic. There's been so many people that have been affected, right, with, with this virus or, or, or other things. And so and so we've been praying. We've been praying a lot for the sick. Right. But just like we pray for the physically sick, we need to pray for the spiritually sick. Amen. We can't, we can't neglect to pray for the lost and the need for the gospel to spread and to be received. Amen. Especially in our culture today. Amen. We cannot lose sight of our, of our purpose, right? Our purpose isn't just to, to, to go to church and to be happy, to be content. No, our purpose is to be lights, right? Our purpose is to be lights in this world just like Jesus is the light. Amen. We, we, we got to pray for this to be the case. Our prayers reflect our hearts and our goals. Amen. Once, once one of our primary uh, desires must be, it has to be for souls to be saved. Right? I mean, I pray that we increase our prayers for the word, right? For the word of the Lord to spread mightily and for the word of the Lord to be honored. Amen. I mean, I, when I when I when I read this, I think about missionary, right? The missionary activity, man, and the concern, right, for missionary activity is not just the responsibility of a select few. It's not. It should be the concern of every Christian. Amen. The advancement and the acceptance of the gospel. Amen. A church that 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 um, that has lost its vision, right, for mission has lost its heart for God. That's what I believe. Amen. And I'm going to say that again. A church that has lost its vision for mission has lost its heart for God. Right? Because a Christian who has no concern for salvation of others is not in tune with God's purposes. Amen? In fact, someone once said that the height of selfishness is a Christian who is content to go to heaven alone. Amen? So we got to concern ourselves with the lost souls. Amen? we gotta, we got to pray that this gospel spreads and that when it spreads, that it lands on fertile ground. Amen? Let's go to verse 2. 
It says, And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. Verse 3, But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. So here Paul's second prayer request is for protection, right? This is for himself and his his fellow missionaries. Now, while it's true, okay, that some are specially uh, gifted missionaries, you know, and evangelists like Paul was, right? It's also true that, that, that every one of us, right, every one of us is called to participate in the advancement of the gospel. Now, this right here will mean uh, uh, different different things for different people, right? Because for many of us, most of our life is spent at work, right? So it's likely that, therefore, that right there, right, that would be the place, you know, and the opportunity to demonstrate and talk about our faith, right? That right there is a perfect opportunity. But, you know, as we share our faith, you know, we cannot assume that the advancement of the gospel is going to go unhindered, Right? Because we know that there are forces that are opposed, right? They're opposed to God and they ensure us, right? That it's not that it's not that easy. It's not that easy to share the faith. It's not that easy, you know, to, to try to try to reach a soul, right? Because because the enemy's out there all the time and the enemy's trying to trying to trying to block, you know, the message going forward. Right? So sometimes to share the gospel can be, you know, uh, a strenuous at times, right? Because we sometimes face numerous obstacles. Amen. We've seen in this letter that that Satan is the one that's behind all that opposes God. Okay, so we got to understand that not everyone is going to accept the gospel message, right? Not everyone's going to accept it. In fact, it seems that most most people will be indifferent, right? And some will actively oppose it, right? And make it difficult as possible for those uh, who seek to promote the gospel. So when it comes to being a witness, right? And the promoter of the gospel. We got to confess, man, that sometimes it's not easy, right? Sometimes we feel vulnerable. Sometimes uh, we feel timid. Sometimes we feel threatened. But, someone say but. But, we got to realize that those, right, those uh, who oppose may be faithless, right? But God is faithful. Amen? Has God been faithful to you? Has God been faithful to you? If he's been faithful to you, type in amen. Amen. Make a shout out. Say God has been faithful. All right? Because the faithless, right? The faithless, the the, the faithlessness of humans can never overturn or undermine the faithfulness of God, right? To his word and to his people. You see, God has spoken and decreed that the gospel will succeed. God's message of salvation will be received by those who respond to God's word. Amen. God's word, uh, God is faithful to his word. I mean, look at what it says here in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12. It says, the Lord said to me, I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Hallelujah. In Isaiah 55 11, it says, my word goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Amen. So see, there there may be opposition. And that's why Paul urges these young Thessalonians. And he urges us also to engage in earnest prayer. Why? Because we are in a spiritual battle. Amen. So God is not only faithful to his word, but he's also faithful to his people. Amen. You see, we, we fail the Lord. 
We fail each other and we fail ourselves. But, here we go again. But God remains faithful. Amen. Faithful to strengthen and protect His people. Amen. Now, to protect us uh, 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 in the sense that we will live in a cozy and comfortable life? No. But as in the Lord's prayer, to protect us from the evil one. Amen. Why? Because Satan seeks to snatch us away from God. Right? He seeks to destroy us. But God is faithful. Amen. He won't allow that to happen to his people. So even, even the church with all her weaknesses, right, and all her shortcomings will succeed. The gospel message carried by weak and feeble messengers will triumph, amen, because God is faithful and he does not fail. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, this is Jesus. He says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Revelation 7, 9 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne in front of the Lamb. Amen. So the message of the Lord, it's got to be proclaimed, church. It's got to be preached. It's got to be taught. It's got to be talked about. It's got to be gossiped by all means. You know, this is the only time that I'll say that gossip is good. When it comes to the gospel, you can gossip about the gospel all you want. As a matter of fact, overdo it. Amen. Praise God. But in order for the gospel to be effective, right, it's got to be received by the hearer. Amen. And because the evil one is, is being obstructive, we need to pray that the unseen spiritual forces will not stop the free flow of the gospel. Amen. So let's pray that the gospel goes forward. Praise God. Verse 4. It says, we have the confidence in the Lord that you are that you are doing and will continue to do these things we command. Verse 5. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Amen. So after, after Paul asked the Thessalonians to pray for him, he now offers a prayer for them. Amen. So now he expresses his confidence in God's enabling and he desires that their commitment be to be godly. Amen. But notice that Paul, he doesn't say we have confidence in you, in, in, in your ability to do right. I mean, if, if our ability and willingness to obey God depended on us, man, we would have very insecure faith. Amen. But once again, but Paul's confidence, right, is in the Lord's ability to keep and to strengthen and to enable his people to obey his commands. Amen. So Paul's confidence is well-founded, right? Why? Because God perfects what he's begun. Philippians 1.6, it says, Be, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it onto the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. So how is it that we experience this, this, this strengthening and this uh, protection, right? By continuing to do the thing that we've been commanded, church, right? I, you know, often we, we wonder why we're not experiencing the blessing of God, right? Why God isn't teaching us, you know, wonderful new things, right? I mean, let's ask ourselves, could it be that we fail to obey what we already know? Amen. I mean, that's something to think about, right? Amen. So verse five, you know, it says, may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance, right? 
Amen. That our love will grow and become more and more like God's love so that so that we begin to love unconditionally. Amen. That we would develop um, patience and perseverance and 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 uh, constancy, right? Even in the face of, of opposition, just like Jesus. Amen. So that we can grow in all things in Christ and be like Him. Amen. This is what Paul requested prayer for and what he prayed for others, right? I mean, ask yourself, does this... Uh, reflect the way that we pray, right? Paul prayed for the gospel. He prayed for the advancement, for the acceptance. He prayed for, for, for promoters of the gospel. He prayed for, for, for the protection from evil forces, right? He prayed uh, for protection from a good and faithful God. Whew, wow, who's faithful to his word and faithful to his people. Why? His prayer was powerful, right? He prayed for the believers in the gospel, right? He had confidence in God's enabling for our commitment to be like God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, so now there's a shift in this chapter, right? Next, we're going to see how, how, how Paul tells the, the Thessalonian Christians to, to watch their walk, right? That they need to watch how, how they're living, right? How they're living their lives. And he's going to tell them to avoid certain people, okay? And tell them what they're supposed to do, okay? So, but before we get into that, I want to share a story with you that I thought was pretty funny. I think, you, I think you'll probably enjoy this. And it's of a woman who, who went with her husband to the doctor's office. Uh, when, when the checkup was over, the doctor asked the man to wait outside so that he can talk to the wife. He had a very somber look on his face and asked her to sit down. And he tells her, your husband is suffering from a very severe stress disorder. If you don't do what I ask, he's not going to make it. Here's what I want you to do. That's funny. Get up early each morning and fix him a healthy breakfast. Make him a nutritious lunch and prepare a really special dinner every night. Be pleasant at all times. Don't burden him with chores or discuss your problems with him. You will need to do almost all the work around the house and you can't nag him about anything. Right? If you can do this for a year... Your husband will completely regain his health. And so as they were driving home, the husband turned to his wife and asked, what did, the, what did the doctor say? And she turned and looked at him and replied, He said you only have a year to live. Wow, isn't that funny, huh? He only had a year to live, right? I mean, in this, in this fictional story, right, the wife wasn't interested in following the doctor's orders, right, by doing the work that... That would make uh, things better for her, right? She wasn't willing to to pay the price to nurse her husband back, you know, to health. She preferred to ignore this doctor's orders, right? And unfortunately, a similar scenario can also be true of the of some believers in the church, right? Some Christians are not willing to adhere to biblical commands, right, that relate to work. And here, as we as we continue on in these verses, right. We're going to see that Paul orders Christians to earn their keep, okay, by providing for themselves, amen, and their families. So in these verses, these 10 verses as we continue, he's going to share some, some important principles, right? So let's go ahead and start in, in verse 6. Verse 6 says, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. So here we have a, 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 an important principle that Paul is sharing with us, 
and that's to keep away from idle Christians, okay? Now, Paul right here is issuing a command, okay? This isn't a suggestion, right? This isn't, you know, something for, for us to debate about, right? It's a command. It, this is something that that a general would use when he's, when he's, when he's uh, giving orders to his troops, right? The command is given in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul exhorts these believers, okay, by, by, uh, to, to keep working, appealing to the authority, right, of Jesus, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he commands the church to keep away from, from, from every brother or sister who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition, okay, which is received from us, right? That's what Paul is saying. So, so what he's saying is that for the sake of the Lord Jesus, right, Keep away from believers that disregard what we're telling you, that disregard what we say, that disregard what we're teaching you, right? So that word translated, the words keep away, means to abstain or to avoid, okay? Now this was used of, um, of uh, furling the sails on a boat, right? So when the wind would come up, then, then, then uh, they would unfurl the sails, meaning that they would open them up, okay? And when the wind died down, they would they would furl them, meaning that they would pull them back. So likewise, this is the example that Paul has given us: is that we're to pull back, right? Intimate fellowship from believers who are who lead unruly lives. Okay. Now that word unruly is another military word. Okay, and it's used it's used uh, to describe uh, soldiers who are not maintaining. Okay, soldiers who are not maintaining rank. So those those who who are unruly have gone AWOL, if you will, from from uh, their God-given responsibility to work. Now, AWOL is another military word, which means absent without leave. Okay, so in other words, they were absent from their post or from their work without permission. Okay, now I know that this seems uh, a bit a bit strong, right, to sever ties, you know, with slackers, right? But Paul is going to develop this, okay? As we continue on, he's going to develop this thought. But for right now, let's remember that that these that these believers had ignored Paul's face-to-face -face instruction. He had already given them this instruction back when we read in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4. They, they blew him off, right? So they continued in their errant behavior, okay? So these people, they were disobedient. They were not simply uninformed or confused, right? These were people that were not working. Now, the reason why they were not working—I mean, it doesn't—it doesn't specify, but but all kinds of reasons have been have been suggested. And I'm just going to name one. One of them is that you know the certainty of the rapture was near. In other words, they had an attitude that, well, since the rapture is going to come and it can come at any moment, why work? You know, so so they so they got lazy. Amen. And and so, but when I read this, I'm reminded of of, of the parable. Uh, that Jesus talks about in, in back in Luke uh, chapter 19, the parable of, of the ten minas, right? And so I'm not going to read the whole parable, but just the first three verses of this parable, which is uh, verses 11, 12, and 13 of, uh, of, uh, of uh, Luke 19, okay? And it says, Now while they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and they thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. Verse 12, so he said, A nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself, and then to return. And he called ten of his own slaves, and gave them ten minas, and said to them, Occupy till I come. 
Now, this word occupy means to, to invest, right, with the intent of, of increase, right? So we, you and I, we are to occupy, amen? We are to invest our time. We are to invest our talents. We are to invest our treasures. We are to invest uh, uh, every opportunity that the Lord, for the Lord, amen? So that, so that God's work will advance and can multiply, amen? So we got to stay busy. We got to occupy, right? So someone may ask, well, well, how long should we occupy? Okay, should we set maybe a termination date for our service? Well, I mean, that kind of question, well, let me return to uh, uh, another question, okay, with that type of question, right? Should I read my Bible for only a month? Right, that sounds kind of crazy, right? Or should I just tithe until, until I, I finally get out of debt? No, we should be doing that every single day, amen? God's command is for us to occupy until, his re, until He returns. Now, has Jesus returned? No. So what do we do in the meantime? Occupy. Stay busy. Stay busy for the kingdom of God. Amen? Let's continue on. Verse 7. It says, For you yourselves know that you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Verse 9, we did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. Verse 11, we hear that some of you are idle. They are not busy, they are busybodies. Such people we command and urge. Here we go again, that word command, right? And urge in the Lord Jesus Christ. There we go. He's using, he's using the full title again as the authority. To settle down and to earn the bread they eat. Verse 13. And as for you brothers, never tire in doing what is right. Amen. So here he gives us another principle, right? Imitate the examples of hard workers. Here we got Paul, we got we got uh, Silas and Timothy who modeled what it means, right, to work to the point of pain, right? And they did this day and night when they were there with the Thessalonian believers. They worked hard, not because they weren't entitled to some support, but because they wanted to give these Christians a model that they could imitate, right? Because they were building a church, they didn't want to be a burden to these believers, amen? But you had these... These, these sluggers, right, on the other hand, that, that, that were trying to leech off the church when they, when they should have been working. Now, verse 9 is like a, like a parenthetic uh, 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 verse, a parenthetic comment, right? It says, we did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow, right? Paul could have received financial support, but he chose not to. I'm thankful I'm thankful for, for my parents, right? I'm thankful that, that, that my parents passed on a good work ethic to me, right? Both my mom and dad, they worked very hard in everything that they had. And I'm also thankful for the, for the, for the great and hard workers here at the mission, right? Who, who model what it means to labor to the point of pain. Amen? We got hard workers here at the mission. Praise God. So when you think of a hard worker, who do you think of? Are there some examples that, that, that you can emulate, right? Because I think it's important that, that, that work is not necessarily paid employment, amen? 
I mean, when I was growing up, my parents told me that I had to work, right, to do my part as a member of the family, right? And I believe that this is something that we need to instruct our children today. Most children and teenagers have it good today, right? But it's okay to ask something of them. I believe that, that, if, that if we as parents don't teach our kids a good work ethic, when they are young, they won't have one as adults. Amen? So the principle should, should motivate us as parents to realize that we must encourage our children to work. Right? We must instill within them a godly work ethic. Amen? Look at verse 10. For we eat, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. Wow. You see, Paul is not speaking of those who cannot find work. He's not speaking of those who through injury or through illness are not able to work. No. He's speaking of those who deliberately choose not to work, right? So we should never use this as a verse to hammer uh, the poor or the unemployed because we don't know their whole story, right? I know that some of you have been out there looking for employment. It's been kind of hard looking for a job, huh? Especially during this pandemic, many jobs were affected, right? People that are still looking for jobs, they've been looking for a job for many months. They're going on probably a year or two, right? And still can't find a job. And you know what? We hurt. We hurt for you and we support you. But this verse right here that we're talking about is referring to a small minority of idle believers who refuse to work. So this principle still applies. If we want food, we must be willing to work. So I believe that a hungry stomach will do wonders for a lazy Christian. Amen? I mean, the best example that we have, right, is God. God himself is a worker, right? After all, he created, right? And he's, the, he, he's our creator. He's our sustainer, right? He's the sustainer of the universe. And as such, he's the, he, he has designed a working vocation, right, as a necessary part of life even before the fall. So he expects us to be involved. Right in some form of vocation that we can support ourselves, right? Find a sense of, of, of significance, right, in the destiny in our labor, right? And be productive members of society. And so denying support to those who are unwilling to work, it's not cruel. But it becomes a basic form of discipline, right? To help these idlers into reality and into the responsibility of becoming productive people. Amen. This kind of discipline is what we want to call tough love. Right? It provides protection right, for both the individual and society. So for us to keep providing them with the necessities of life would only encourage their irresponsibility. Amen. So verse 11 says, we hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy. They are busybodies. See, so, so, so verse 11 describes what the unruly had begun to do. Instead of being busy, they were busybodies. Now the Greek word for uh, uh, the Greek word literally means for busybodies to be working around. Okay, so it's not that these people were inactive. No, they were active, but they were active in an unproductive, irresponsible, disruptive manner. Amen. So, so a, a busybody is one who has much time on his or her hands. Right, that he or she uh, stays busy by meddling in the lives of others. Right, and so Paul is saying here, stop being unnecessary burden on the rest of the community. Amen. Let's go to verse twelve. It says, "Such people we command and urge, 
in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn, earn the bread that they eat. So notice, notice the word command again. And notice that he uses the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So he's calling slackers to mind, to mind their own business, right? And to stop messing around in the lives of others. I like what Ephesians 4.28 says. It says, He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Amen. Verse 13. He says, it's for you, brothers, never tire in doing what is right. Now, I love this verse. I love this verse because Paul recognizes, right, that it's easy to get discouraged when we see people doing things that are wrong, right? So he says, as for you, brothers, never tire in doing what is right. Now, I believe that this right here can be can be applied in, 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 in a couple different ways, right? First, Paul, you know, this is Paul's way of encouraging those uh, who are hard workers, right? To not get bummed out when when they see those who are not working. I'm reminded of what it says in Galatians 6, 9, right? Let us not lose heart in doing good, right? But for in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. Amen? So, 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 so we must trust God with the results, right? Another thing is that we should not let these busybodies bother us, right? To such a degree that, that we withhold financial help from those who really need it, right? Because let's face it, there are people who really do need it and we should be there for them. So when we see these things happen, when we see people that 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 uh, neglect the work because they don't want to work, let's not use that as an excuse to not help someone who's really in need, amen? And this verse also tells us right here that we must carry out, right? We must carry out disciplinary action against these disobedient people, right? If it proves necessary, amen? Verse 14 and 15, it says, If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of him. Do not associate with him in order that he may feel ashamed. Verse 15, Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. So here's another principle, right? When we need to be, we need a discipline. Amen? Don't think that just because we're disciplining that, that we hate you know, a certain a certain somebody, right? No, discipline means that we love, right? Remember, the Bible says that when 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 God uh, God chastens those, right? He disciplines those He loves, right? Because God doesn't want to see us fail; He doesn't want us messing up. Amen. So, verse fourteen right here deals with the matter of church discipline, right? These these guys, these idols, they refuse to obey the orders clearly, and it clearly uh, exhibits that they had a rebellious spirit. Okay, so and as a result. You know, the church has to take tough measures at times, right? They're to take they're to take special note, right? Paul says don't even associate with them, right? Do not associate, right, means that the church is not to get mixed up with, right? Or have close associations with a person in that condition, right? In other words, in other words, it's kinda of like saying that, that they're to be ostracized, right? From from intimate fellowship with believers, okay? in order to bring them to repentance and change, okay? So I don't want anyone to get confused, you know, when, with this verse, with, with the verse in, in, in Matthew chapter 18, right? Where Matthew chapter 18, it talks about uh, uh, excommunication, right? When you, when you finally have to ask someone to leave, this isn't the, this isn't the case right here, right? This is more of, of a matter of group disapproval, right? Disapproval, right? And, and social uh, ostracism. 
So we got to be careful. You and I have to be careful to not to endorse or or enable self-destructive behavior, right? Sometimes we need to kind of pull back in order for people, you know, to to fall, right? In order for them to look up and say, oh, man, I messed up, right? Sometimes we got to do that, right? But remember that the goal of church discipline is always, always for restoration. It's always to bring a brother or a sister back to where they should be in Christ. Amen? So right here, it, 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 this type of action was to make them feel ashamed. Okay? So much so that it would cause them to, to go hungry, and then they would for, be forced to go back to work. Okay? So, so we must remember that the goal of church discipline is never punishment okay it's never to punish anyone but it's always to show uh love whether it be even tough love right but done uh, uh with a view to restore a brother or sister back into fellowship with christ okay and the body of christ amen so everything is done out of love okay and verse 15 right here it proves us it proves that we are not to be too harsh, right? When people that are messing up, it says, yet do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Amen? Warn him as a brother. I mean, why Why does Paul have to say this? Okay? Because, you know, usually in our, in our human, in our humanity, right? Our default setting is to get angry toward people who sin differently than we do. Right? But we have to understand that those who, who are sinning and are messing up, okay? Uh, they're, they're not enemies. They're believers in the Lord. Amen. So, so, so they're, they're, they're brothers to be admonished, right? Not, not enemies to be abused. But at the same time, we're not to excuse the behavior, but we're to admonish and warn with tough love, with, with, with a tough love kind of way. Okay. So that word admonish in the Greek is nutheteo, which means the idea, right, of, of nuthetic counseling. Right? It means to, to set one's mind. So in this context, it means to, to, uh, to admonish with God's word, right? Toward the goal of obedience. Amen? To admonish someone is literally to put sense, right? Sense or biblical wisdom into their mind so that it changes their behavior. Okay? So we're not to cut them off from, from all context. No, we're not to do that. Okay, they were they were allowed to to still be in, in in what we call a brotherly status, right? They're still our brother, they're still our sister, right? The lines of communication were kept open for for continued uh, 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 counsel about their behavior. Amen. For, I mean, why am I saying all this, right? For the simple reason that our culture has become confused about work. On one hand, we got workaholics, right? Those that work too much, and on the other extreme, we got idlers, right, or loafers, those who who can't stand to work, right? We need balance, church, right? This passage reminds us that every one of us, right, can be prone to sloth. Every one of us can be prone to, to laziness, right? I mean, many of us, man, probably, probably jokingly adopted the philosophies of some bumper stickers, amen? Have you seen the bumper stickers that says, uh, work fascinates me, right? I can sit and watch it for hours. Or how, or how about the one that says that the worst day of fishing is better Right than the best day of working, amen. That's funny. Or another one that says hard work um, I may not kill me, but why take the chance? You know. And while these things might be funny, right? We have to understand that these these right here hit kind of close to home, right? So we have to do everything we can to get rid of, you know, the, falling in the sloth, right? Falling in the laziness, right? And 
How do we do that, right? One one we can do is is seek God for forgiveness, right? Face the fact that that we've been slothful at times and ask God to forgive us. Amen. God is quick to forgive. How many of us know that? God is quick to forgive. He's quick in mercy. Amen. Another thing is that we can we can open our eyes to opportunities, right? Let's pray for for the privilege to serve, right? We can volunteer, we can visit nursing homes or offer hospitality or even uh, uh, host a Bible study in our home or even develop like a mentoring relationship, right? We can set goals for ourselves. We can buddy up with a friend, amen? We can ask God for help, right? But in all this, we can thank God for, 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 for the privilege to be able to work, to be able to, 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 to serve Him, amen? So this right here is such a powerful message that, that Paul has brought us, right? Something that we can take home with us, something for us to learn. Amen. So but and then so so if we go to verse sixteen, we, we see that, that he says, May may the Lord of peace himself give well, may, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. I Paul write this greeting in my own hand with uh, which is the distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Hallelujah. So here Paul concludes with three characteristics of God, right, that can enable us to stand firm in trials. He says, you know, that God is, is, is the Lord of peace, right? Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace, right? Peace is harmony. It's it's on the inside always, right? In every way, right? Regardless of our circumstances, right? And then he says, God is God is present all the time. He says, the Lord be with you, Amen. So I mean, God's everywhere, right? He has no limitations. He he could be equally present with you and with somebody else on the other side of the world, Amen. And then he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. God is grace, right? Grace is grace is God uh, doing doing for us what we don't deserve and what we can't earn. Amen. It's, it's his unmerited favor, right? We have an account in heaven and God gives us the grace needed for today, right? But only for today. Why? Because tomorrow he has a fresh new batch of grace. That's for tomorrow and the next day, right? But the good thing about it is that, you know, it's more than we'll ever need. Amen. It's more than we'll ever need. God is so good. Praise God. Amen. So I hope that you guys enjoyed this message. I mean, it was a blessing to me. It was it was such a such a powerful word for me, and I just I just thank God for that, and, and I pray that it was a blessing for you.